No, it's very, very interesting. Seeing how some people are stuck uh, by what the enemy would want them to be stuck in. But then there comes a point when they become part of that that causes themselves to be stuck. Yeah. And yeah, and so this would explain again, this explains when we hear things like the unpardonable sin. Now to understand what the unpardonable sin simply meant, and to understand it, who was who was he speaking to when he spoke it? And what we, of course, can glean from it. But who was he speaking to when he spoke that to them? And they were the Pharisees. And when he was speaking that to them, saying to them about what the unpardonable sin would be and what it was, what is it? It was not ignorance. It didn't have a thing to do with ignorance. It had to do with the fact that they knew it and still rejected it. That's what people get stuck in. Yeah, they get stuck in that. Now, there, there is a being stuck in terms of ignorance. There is that. There is that, definitely. Where unknowingly, unknowingly, you're, you're a part of that, you know. But then when the light comes and reveals it, now what is it? Now there's a choice to make. There's a choice. There's a choice to make at this, at this point. There is submission. That's the opportunity. The opportunity is the submission. Yes. Then there's the receiving. But it has to be that way. It has yeah. to start that way. And that's that's what we're seeing here. And, and again, I, as I was in my own circumstance yesterday with, with certain people and, and seeing it, and not in a judgmental way at all, but just in a way of just seeing the resistance and the lack of receiving not through ignorance, not through ignorance. In one case, there was ignorance. There was ignorance. And ignorance, honestly, in us, it, part of that ignorance can be, in Revelations 12, 9, he deceives the whole world. Now, the Christian has in them, and we know this through Second Corinthians the 12th chapter, and this brings out the reason again that Paul needed the thorn. It was not that he was living in sin, but he had all the materials and all the potential in the flesh to do so. To do so. So the ignorance then can be the ignorance is still in the flesh that's in us that we're not of. Romans 8, 9. We have to make it clear. It's not who we are in Christ, meaning it's not how he sees us. Okay? 
It is how we perceive apart from him. Now there's ignorance, and that ignorance can be we think we're sacrificing to God in 1 Samuel 15, 22. God isn't interested in that type of sacrifice. Boy, the flesh thinks it sacrifices so much for God. Thinks it does. But God doesn't want that. What does he want? He wants obedience. Okay, okay. So who brings in the potential for the obedience? It's Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he brings it in. Now there's a choice to make. And it still could be ignorance in some cases. It can be ignorance, complete ignorance. Now that ignorance can still be unknown, okay, rebellion and stubbornness. That's 1 Samuel 15 and verse 23. And there can be in terms of growth and a lack of understanding, a lack of teaching, thinking, I, I know enough, thinking that, that I don't need anything more than where I am in my own thinking right now because I'm deceived and I think it's God. I, I'm born again. I could be truly truly in Christ, positionally, but not experientially, not experientially. And so there's still that potential for that, re, that rebellion, which is as witchcraft, which means coming under the atmosphere. And then there's stubbornness, which what leads to it is idols, some kind of fleshly attachment that we go to constantly. Now, there is a point in that where it is ignorance. But then there's another point where I know it, but I still refuse it. And then I go right back into those things again. I go right back, smack right into them again. And I saw it. And of course, God teaches me constantly, obviously, and constantly separating in my growth, my personal growth, the, the flesh from who I am in Christ. This is Hebrews 4.12. There's no question about it. But Hebrews 4.12 is based upon Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of, my, of myself to God as the manner of some is. As the manner of some is. What makes the manner of some assembling when they know to do it and still don't do it? What is that? That's known, chosen disobedience, and that's James 4.17, to him that knows to do good and does it not. Now, that is sin. Now, thank God, as long as I'm up to date in the light that God has given me, given me then, then I have 1 John 1, 1.9. Right? If we confess our sin, now is that an opportunity? Yeah. Is that a gift? Is that a privilege? Is it something that's earned? No. Right? But if I confess my sin, then what is that? Come on. What's that dealing with? That's dealing with known sin, period. That's what that's dealing with. I know it. There's no, no, no two ways about it. I can kid people. I can deceive people. I can even choose to live in deception for myself when I know the truth, but I cannot. I cannot 
hide from God. I cannot hide from him. I just can't do it. So I was able to see this yesterday. And then I saw and then I saw this whole thing. And this is what makes it very careful about where where you go and who you're sent to. Who you're sent to. It's, we need to be extremely careful, honestly, about who we're with. Right? Because the Bible makes it very clear. Okay? It makes it very clear in this sense, and we can see that. We see all this truth brought out in the clearest way of how the complete atmosphere, Satan in the atmosphere, was constantly against Christ himself. And he's our pattern. But what we see here is it comes to this point, when it comes to this, and you know it, and God makes it very, very clear to you, and sometimes that may take a while. Right? Sometimes it, it, it can work that way, right? But here, in Romans, the 16th chapter, and the 17th verse, it says this, Now I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, Brethren, those that are in Christ, mark them which cause divisions. Can that happen in ignorance? Yes. But can it also happen as a result of knowing the truth and still refusing it? Yeah. Can the enemy use that to cause divisions? I experienced it yesterday with a great intensity. And, and, and you, I could see how it was working between two individuals, one who absolutely knows what's true, knows it without a doubt, but still goes back into the other. And then one completely ignorant and how they were so joined together. <laughs> it was amazing to me to see it. It was amazing. Again, this has got, without accusation, without conduct. Without condemning them, they're both they're both as far as positionally being in Christ, but as far as teaching, completely ignorant. One through complete ignorance, another through just complete, constantly, constantly knowing you should do it, but still not doing it. Close, coming so close. So close. I saw it so close. Almost ready to, to really break that. And then go right back into it. Go right back into that. Rejecting. Right back into it. I'm looking at it. I'm going, oh my God. Now, and I saw how the enemy in both of them, in both of them, coming against the truth in me, literally. This was so amazing. And there was this mutual admiration between the two. And I'm like, oh, I'm just like, wow, watching this. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, oh, my God. And at that point, what, would, what am I supposed to do? What would God have me to do? Well, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions. And offenses, listen to, see what it says, offenses? Okay, 
contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Avoid them. Yeah, that's what it says. Eh? I heard someone, again, someone that really believes that they and, and still have some form of a grasp on the word, still, saying to another individual right in my presence when they were asking questions, and the way they were asking the questions was, was the one that was asking it was completely trying to avoid me. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Just avoid me. And asking this other individual about what humility and temptation. And you know, the, and, and the one that was, was answering him told him this. He made, he made this comment. Yeah, it was possible that Jesus Christ, while he was in his humanity, could have sinned. I'm telling you that. I'm telling you straight. Could have sinned. Literally. And then I want, and, and you can see ignorance, and you can see known outright rejection. And, I'm, and it's mutual. Using each other for each other and think, you know, and, and, and to me, it's unbelievable. So I beseech you, brother, mark them which cause divisions and offenses. See that word offenses there? And you're to avoid them. Now watch that. Look, look, I looked at, you look at the whole gospel of John. You look at that. And you see it right from the beginning. And God this morning, just had me take out this little Bible because I'm like, and the enemy was trying to use all of that that was going on yesterday to come completely against me to take me out experientially. Literally, from intimacy with Christ. Doing everything he could to do that. And I'm like, what is this? What is going on here, God? You know, And then he just took me right through the Gospel of John. And you can see it. You can see it. You see in the first chapter of John, you see how the, the reality of those first 18 verses, they are so incredible. Many, many believe at the end of his life, at the end of uh, John, the beloved apostle, who the Holy Spirit used as his amanuensis to write it down. <laughs> Right, believe that he that that was added after. Put in in John one one to eighteen, was put in there after. Whether that's true or not, but I could see how it could be in growth. Then you see that be the beauty of that, and then you see this. In in the nineteenth verse of John one. This is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Who are you? Now, when they came, were they, were they and those that they sent, were, were they entreatable? Did they want to know the truth? Did they want to? They asked him, who are you? And he confessed, John the Baptist, he confessed, I'm not the Christ. And they asked him then, what then? 
what then? Are you Elijah? And he had the spirit of it. We know that through the scriptures, by the way. We're not getting into it this morning. And he said, I am not. And then he said, are you that prophet? And he answered, no. And they said unto him, who are you? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What say you of yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. This is fulfilling prophecy in Isaiah 40, 1 through 3, specifically Isaiah 40, verse 3. I am the voice of one crying where? In the wilderness. What's the wilderness? Well, system. Make straight the way of the Lord. Oh, boy. Talk about opportunity. As said the prophet Isaiah, and they which, they which were sent were of who? Of. Of. Who? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. Did they know the truth? Listen. John 1.11 brings it out clearly. He came unto his own, and not through ignorance, but outright rebellion and stubbornness rejected him. Yeah, you are from God, but no. No, no. no. Yes, you are from God. You are from God, but guess what? No. No. Well, then, of course, 112, but as many as would receive him. To them he gave the power, the right, the authority to become the sons of God, even to them that would believe on his name. So then, of course, we see Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus, he comes to Jesus, and he came to him at night. Why embarrassment and shame for the, his, his whole crowd, the Pharisees, the out of embarrassment and shame. You know, like a lot of people, they want you one-on-one. They sure as heck don't want to come and be part of a local assembly because that would leave out the flesh. And boy, oh boy, don't want that. (laughs) Don't want it. So they continued to ask him, these that were sent to the Pharisees. They were of the Pharisees. They were taught by the Pharisees. They were of them, constituted, right? That was their understanding. They asked him and said, then why do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor that prophet? John answered saying, I baptize with water, okay, but there stands one among you whom you know not. Notice that? You don't know them. What were the reasons? What could be the reasons for someone not knowing him? Ignorance, which still has potential if it's not dealt with to live in pride. Rebellion and, and, and stubbornness, or outright knowing the truth and rejecting it. That's what Hosea 4, verse 6 says. To understand it, it says, when it says there, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, it doesn't mean they didn't know it. It didn't mean that that even went into them. They rejected it outright. Because you reject me, I'll also reject you from reigning. Uh, so close. I saw an individual so close, so close to just get. And then over a process of hours, through the, through, you know, 
through the night and through the next day, just go right back into it. <laughs> so unbelievable. It says that. There one stands among you whom Christ, you know not. And furthermore, I don't want anyone else telling me. I don't want anyone telling me. Then he says, he, he it is, who's coming after me is preferred by who? <laughs> Being God himself <laughs> and sent by God. Prefer, you know, preferred before me, whose shoe latchet I am not worthy. So he's saying this. Listen, listen, there's no worth in me. Don't look for it in me. My worth is in the one who sent me. That's where my worth is. Of course, the enemy always wants to put our eyes on ourselves, and, you know, and how, how, how unworthy we are and get us involved in that when it's got nothing to do with who we are in Christ. Well, these things were done in Betharaba, beyond Jordan, where, where, where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And he's yelling it out. <laughs> the voice, the tense, the case, and the mood. He's yelling, he's yelling it out. He's like, Oh, my God, there he is. <laughs> you know, the babe. The babe that leaped in the, in the womb of Elizabeth, you see this in Luke, the first chapter, that was John the Baptist, who was six years old, six months older than Jesus. Watch. The next day, John saw Jesus, John saw, sees Jesus coming unto him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away what? The sins of the world? No, the sin of the world. This is propitiation. Not sins, like some that are taught. Jesus paid for the sins of the whole world. And then they give a lame way of trying to explain, well, there's only one sin that he didn't pay for. It's the unpardonable one. <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. Well, this is he of whom I said after me, after me comes a man who is preferred before me. Well, why? Well, because he was before me. He's going back to John 1, verse 1 and 2. <laughs> Interesting. And he says, And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. This is going back into, again, Matthew 3, 16 and 17, where he saw this. He was, a, he was an eyewitness of that. And I knew him not. Didn't know him, like, fully, but I knew that about it. But he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, upon whom you will see the Spirit descending and remaining on him until obviously the cross, where then he would send the second comforter in John 14, 16, and 17, based upon uh, Pentecost, where the church would begin to be 
begin to be formed in Acts, the second chapter, specifically those first four verses. And as a result of that, the same as he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Then again, the next day after John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. He's yelling it out again in awe. Then Jesus turned and saw them following him and said unto them, What do you seek? And they said unto him, Teacher, which is interpreted master, teacher. Where, where do you dwell? And then, of course, Jesus told him. Then we find it all the way down through here where he says in 43, follow me. And then we see Andrew and Peter. And then Philip found Nathanael and said unto them, we have found him. Then he, then he came. He came to him at night, in the nighttime. And he starts speaking to him. And he starts teaching him and telling him things that he should have known, that he should have known. Jesus had answered and said, well, you believe me, this is verse 50, because I said unto you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe. You will see greater things than these. And he said unto him, truly, truly, I say unto you, hereafter you will see heaven open. You will see heaven open and the angels of God descending upon him. He's fulfilling the type of what he was doing with Jacob in Genesis, the 28th chapter, in the 12th verse. You see that very clearly there. Then we get into the second chapter of John. And we see there was the third day. Very interesting. Scripture is full of things. Third day, when did Jesus rise from the dead and do the greatest amount of works that we could ever see on Calvary and as a result of it? Third day, there was a marriage in Canaan of Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there and, and both Jesus was called, invited, and his disciples to the marriage. And when they, when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto them, they have no wine. Jesus said unto her, woman, what have I to do with you? In other words, <laughs> why, are you, why are you, why do you think it's your place to tell me what to do? He said, in love, in gentle, but he's telling her that. Okay, because what is a woman? A woman's place is to receive. A woman's place is to be taught. She never takes precedence over a male in any area of life because of the fall and protection for her, by the way. Make it crystal clear. What have I to do with you? My hour is not yet come. You don't know fully even what you're saying. What he's saying to her. You, you, and he's in tender tones too, by the way. Ten, very tender tones, but very, very explicit. Then his mother said unto him, unto the servants, whatsoever he says unto you, do. He speaks, and when he speaks, you do it. You receive it. Opportunity. 
Of course, there were six water pots of stone. What is man's number six? When was he created? See it in Genesis, the second chapter. He was created on the sixth day. Six water pots of stone. Stone, very hard. <laughs> After the manner of purifying of the Jews, containing two or three firkins apiece, Jesus said unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. Then he said unto them, Draw out and bear unto the governor of the feast. Give it to him, the one who's putting this whole thing on. Give it to him. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not where it was from, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto them, Every man at the beginning sets forth good wine in the beginning. And then when well have drunk, then that which is worse, or a lesser of a quality, that he, that he puts out and has kept the good wine until, but he's kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cain of Galilee and manifested forth his what? Yeah. And which he doesn't share with anyone. After this, he went to, down to Capernaum, or Capernaum, as some would say, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continue there not many days. And look what it says. And, and the Jews Passover. Why, does it, why do we think it says that? Let's just, we could just blow right by that. And it was the Jews Passover. Was it him? Why was it the Jews Passover? Because they didn't want anything to do with Christ. It wasn't his even though he was the fulfillment of it in the types in Exodus 12, 1 to 13. They're celebrating Exodus 12, 1 to 13, but he is not the invited guest. They said in John 18, 40, not this man. I don't want this man. He's the one. I recognize he's from God, but not this man. No. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves, the changes of, of money sitting. With the, this is the church. This is the age that we live in, in Revelations 3, 14 to 22. It's the age of Laodicea. We're rich. We don't have need of Christ. We have everything. We just don't need him. We don't even need him to talk about him. <laughs> and when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple, the sheep and oxen. This is portraying in the end times, God is going to not have anything to do with those that don't want his son. In judgment. In judgment. Heaven's going to be an awesome place. <laughs> you want to talk about the temple. Now you get into Revelation, the 21st chapter, and you're going to see the temple itself is God himself through Jesus Christ. And no one else there, now you get to there, no one that's filthy or unjust is there at all. And he, he right here is bringing it out. 
He drove them out of the temple, out of the presence of God, and poured out the changes, uh, the, the changes money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, take these things out, get them out. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. This is flesh, unsaved or flesh. Then he said, of course, his disciples remembered, and he remembered the zeal of my house has, has eaten me up. Again, he's quoting Psalm 69, verse 9. Then, then answered the Jews and said unto them, What sign do you show us? Can you imagine? Seeing that you do these things. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will rise it. They're thinking, like many think today, the church is a building. The church is a building. I'm going to go to church today. I'm going to go do what I should do for God. Yeah? Of course, we see that. Now we get into the third chapter. You can see the rest of that in in the second chapter. Of course, in John chapter 2, verse 24, it says, But Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all, and needed not any man to testify of him, because he knew what was in man that wasn't of himself. That's for sure. And then there was Nicodemus, of course, we see here. Again, he comes. And we see this whole thing here. He came to him again. He came at night. We see it here in, in John chapter 3, verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night. It's just like some are so close, and they know revealed truth, eh? but then they're afraid of that old, of those old associations in the flesh where there's still something in them that attracts them to that flesh. See, this is what happens. People get so close. There's individuals were so close. I saw one so close, and then go right back into it. Right back away, tasting it, wanting it, knowing it's true, and then go right back into it. Came by night, said unto them, Teacher, we know, who knows? Well, he was one of the Pharisees. We know that you are a teacher. Look what he's telling him. Look it. We know that you're a teacher. Come from where? Like no other like no other. For no man can do these miracles that you do except what? God be with him. He's God himself in humanity. And those are the same ones that said, not this man, John 18, 40. That's the flesh that's in us. That's unsaved, and that's the flesh that's in us, not this man. Nope. No. And finally, what do you say? You say in John 19:15, they they yell, crucify him. Get him out. We don't want him. He's from God. We want our own thing. Get him out. Crucify him. Crucify him. 
We know that. Jesus answered, and he's given them the whole plan of salvation to them here. Even teaching them what they knew in 3.14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. He's telling them, you know this happened. You know this happened in Numbers 21 and verse 9. And Jesus himself again taught it in John 12 and verse 32. Taught them those things constantly, people. They constantly rejected him. The first thing that they rejected, that they reject, and the first thing that someone in the flesh, a believer, a believer can can come so close to tasting the truth experientially, not for salvation, that doesn't change, and then go right back into the flesh. Ease and comfortability, that's why. Ease and comfortability, because the flesh does not want persecution. I don't want anything to do with it. Go right back into it. Well, he's teaching them, teaching them these things. And then he goes into John 3. Tells them the plan of salvation. The 17th verse, God didn't, God didn't, send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through might be saved, delivered, and continue to be delivered. That brings out 1 John 1, 7, 8, and even the ninth verse. Constantly and experiencing our constant deliverance from being separated from the sin that's in the flesh that we're no longer of. that he might be saved. He that believes on him is what not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. Here it is. That light has come into the world. Light has come into the world. And men knew it, but they loved darkness. They love darkness rather than the light. That's what they chose. Ignorance? Yes, okay. Still potential for light. And then knowing, knowing it and comp- knowing it's true and completely rejecting it. There's where they're without excuse in John 15 and verse 22. What? That men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil, they knew it. They knew it, but still went back into it. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Oh, come on. Is that the flesh that's still in us, potential? Romans 8, 7? Yeah, the flesh has enmity, strong, subtle feelings of hatred toward God, literally. Everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither comes to the light, lest his deed should be reproved or discovered is the right word. Lest they should be discovered. So I, so I have to reject these things that I know that are true if I want to continue in the things that, I, that are ease and comfort and evil in the flesh. And that's my whole world. 
I don't want to leave it. This individuals, they got, they were so close, almost out, and then whoa, right back in. Right back in, they changed like that. Well, but he that that does, he that does the truth, allow, and receiving it and allow it to do him, comes to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they are wrought in God. It's the work that God's doing. This is Philippians 2, 12 and 13, which keeps out the murmuring in 14. What is the darkness that men love? Christians, born again, but they, in the light of salvation, but go right back into the flesh. What is the darkness? That God is not in all their thoughts. Can you imagine? Telling someone that Jesus could have sinned, but because he because he responded, <laughs> Jesus could have sinned. Well, how do you sin? Well, if you have a sin nature, that's how you sin. You've got to have a sin nature to sin. Did Jesus have a sin nature? Well, did he? No. Had a human nature. Had a human nature and communicate that to someone who's in complete ignorance. I've watched this whole thing. We best get with those that love us, especially in these last days. I I mean it, too. I'm seeing it more clearly than ever. More clearly than ever. The darkness is in John uh, is in Psalm ten verse four. God is not in all their thoughts, because what does a little leaven do to the whole lump? So really, it's saying God is not in any of their thought. Look at when I live in the flesh, when I choose to live in the flesh experientially, is God in any of my thoughts? Even if I can quote the scriptures, He's not. Then Psalm fifty. Verse 21, you thought, you thought I was altogether such a one as you. You were satisfied. The enemy caused you to be satisfied in your experience with who you were. I saw this mutual admiration thing going on, and it was like, even if they were ignorant, it it was completely the atmosphere. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this? Well, look, the thing that they, first thing they rejected about Jesus was his words. They rejected his words. And then the second thing that they rejected was his works. That's what they did. They can't, they, first they rejected his words, then they rejected all his works. They said, forget it. His works and his words. That's what they forgot. They rejected. He said, they, he said in Psalm 50 and, and verse 21, very clearly written in 50, 21, these things you have done. You have done them. And I kept silent. You thought that I was altogether such a one as yourself. Oh, they have a form of godliness, 
in 2 Timothy 3, 5, but they deny the power thereof. Can I do that in the flesh? And know it and still do it and go right back in and settle for way less. Yes. You thought I was altogether such a one as yourself, but I will reprove you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you that forget God. That's 22, Psalm 50. Lest they tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Now, of course, this is in terms of salvation. Of course, I would, I would think that that is. But how the enemy can destroy the experience of a believer and how he does. They constantly rejected him. And they did so without excuse. Here it is. And you can see it all the way through the Gospels. You see it. You see it. What is the darkness? What is darkness? It's, it's, it's self-condemned as a result of the deeds that were evil. That's the darkness. His son is the life and the light of that love life. What is the cause of condemnation? It is, it is the individual under the condemned one, Satan. That's what it is. This is all being brought out. God was bringing it out to me very clearly, very, very clearly, all the way through here. The unsaved and the flesh. Constant suspicion. Without submission, without his way, we live in constant submission. Here's the love of God. The enemy brings in suspicion. I watched it in living color yesterday. Watched it. That's why we need to be careful. Mark them. Not judge them, not condemn them, but mark them, which cause divisions and offenses. We're going to see that as we close. John, the fifth chapter. Honor. Jesus said, 1 Samuel 2, verse 30, if you honor me, I will honor you. But if you lightly esteem me, I will lightly esteem you. <laughs> Not in terms of our position in Christ, but experience, yes. Because what is sin? What does sin do? It dishonors Christ in us. Here it is. The self-made man won't come to him. Um, no, no. I know this teaching. I know this one that has the words. I know this teaching is right. But I don't want them. I want it. But I don't want them. The self-made man won't come to him. Why? Listen, because he is not his own. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. You know why? Because he's not his own. Experientially, he's owned by the enemy. That's why he won't come. That's why they won't come. That's why he comes so close over a process of years and go right back into it. He's not his own. Why? Because his will is held captive. 2 Timothy 2, 25 and 26. His will is held captive. 
and he's under the proud and arrogant Satan, and his will manifests who has him captured. And he's not been captured by the love of Jesus Christ in John 8 and verse 37. This is all the way to the fifth chapter. Now you get into the sixth chapter. Follow it all the way through. And what do they seek to do in the seventh chapter? After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he could not walk among the Jews. Why? Because the Jews sought to kill him. Kill God. Kill God in those where Christ is manifested. Kill him. Kill him. Watched it in living color. Watched it. Who's the obedient man? That is Jesus Christ himself. That is Jesus Christ himself. Period. Period. The natural man, and the Christian can go right back to that in the flesh, the natural man has no light. The, there's an angel of light that replaces Jesus Christ the light. Jesus is the light, John 8, 12, John 1, 5, 1 John 1, 5. We're children of the light, 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. Uh, in 6, uh, Ephesians 5, 8, we're children of the light. But is there another light in 11, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen? Yes, there's an angel of light. And boy, does he have his ministers. Is Satan deceived in pride and arrogance? Yeah. Does he have his ministers? Oh, he does. In verse 15. That's right. The natural man or the fleshly man has no light. He becomes a self-interpreter. You know that based upon 2 Corinthians. Uh, 2 Peter, I should say, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. When I don't see clearly, when I don't see clearly, or when I know it's true, but still go back, what am, what am I living in? Division. I cause division. Eyes that are blind. Oh, boy. Eyes that are blind. We see it here. You see that in John, the ninth chapter, the blind man. Watch it, and we're almost done here. Second Chronicles, chapter 6. Second Chronicles. Eyes that are blind. Second Chronicles 6, verse 20. Well, verse 19 says this. Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of your servant and to his supplication, O Lord, my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which your servant prays before you, that your eyes may be open unto this house day and night upon the place, notice, whereof you said that you would put your name there. It would explain your nature, character, and essence revealed through Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. To hearken unto the prayer which your servant prays toward this particular place. But no, eyes that are blind, seeing, going back. What is the message? What was the message Isaiah was to give to the rebellious house of Israel? Eyes you see, you know it, but you refuse it. You see not. Ears that hear, you refuse to submit. Go tell them. Boy, what a that's a popular message, isn't it? 
very popular. Very popular. Eyes that are blind. We see that in John the sixth, uh, John chapter nine, verse sixteen. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, "This man is not of God." <laughs> Will they say that about you? Well, if they hated Jesus before you, when did that happen? That was in the angelic conflict before man was ever born. That's Ezekiel, the 28th chapter, starting in the 15th verse. When did the world system and the the thought of it begin? This man is not God, of God, because he keeps not the Sabbath, although he was the Sabbath rest of God himself. How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. You see that all the way through. You see it all the way through there. Well, one thing after another. You know, but here we have, and this is what we have. We have the indefectible, the indefectible authority of the scriptures, meaning there's no defect in it. I wanted to give the scriptures to an individual. They didn't want the scriptures, they, but they still wanted to talk about how, what they thought humility was, but they didn't want to hear the scriptures. <laughs> okay. Darkness, the absence of light. Darkness, the absence of Christ. The total absence of Christ. You follow it through here. You follow it all the way through, and then you get to John. All the way through, you could see it, the 12th. But get to the, to the 14th chapter. We have to skip through it because we've got to close soon. Then you get to the 15th chapter. Who's the vine? What can we do without him? And where do you abide and so forth? All the way through to there, right? Then you get to the 15th chapter. You're in the 15th chapter of John, right? And then you see it here. Watch this. And remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Enemy wants to use that to cause you to stop. Yeah. If they have kept my sayings, what have they kept them in? Evil and hatred. If they kept my sayings, they will also keep yours. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they have not known him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. Listen to this. But now they have no excuse for their disobedience. Sin. He that hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none of the man did, they had not sinned. But now they have both seen and hated both me and my father. But this comes to pass, the word that might be fulfilled, which was written in their law. They knew better. This is Psalm 35, 19, Psalm 69, and verse 4, and brought out in Psalm 109, verses 4 and 5. They hated me without a cause. There was no cause for their rejection and hatred. It was my love, and they rejected it. And then we have the comforter. Well, all through this, you can see it. But thank God for his love for us. 
boy, in these last days, in these last days, to be, to be with those that love you and receive you. I am so thankful. I couldn't wait to get here this morning. Just to be with others that would love me and receive me and not reject me and be a joint that supplies to me. I, I just, I'm serious. I just couldn't wait to get here this morning. And who should we be with? No, honestly, where's the place that we should be with? And then out of that place, minister, but where should we be? With those that love us. It's no small thing. It isn't any small thing. And Father, we thank you and praise you for this truth, for your precious word. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you to teach us this is part of our suffering, righteous suffering, being persecuted and explaining and bringing out these particular things right now to us. Yes, there are these sufferings, and you told us these things in John 16, 1, so that we wouldn't be offended, we wouldn't stumble, that the enemy couldn't use these things that come against us and then question God, what did I do? What did I, what, did I not do anything? Am I not humble? What did I do? I got all these questions, and the reality is, this is why. And Father, we love you and thank you for your precious word. In Jesus' name, amen.